Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, everybody. Welcome along to the Matchday Gagan Pod podcast. Great to have you with us, as always. Post-Champions League final. Once again, Bayern Munich are the champions of Europe for the sixth time in their history and the first time in seven years. 1-0 winners over a PSG side that had their opportunities but could not do it on the big stage for their first appearance in the final. Joining me on the pod, I'm Richard Bayless. Of course, joining me, Michael Bridges, Simon Hill, Luke Wilkshire. Soon we'll hear from Dave Wiener and Mark Schwarzer as well. It's an all-star lineup. Uh, Bridgie, how'd you feel about that final this morning? It was absolutely fantastic game. Um, chance at both ends and PSG came out, should have won it, Rich. They missed their chances, but Bayern Munich, wow, do they deserve this title for what they've had this season. The treble, good on them, absolutely loved it. It's hard not to use the cliches sometimes when it comes to Bayern Munich because that German efficiency, you know, the machine, the unstoppable force, but uh, they've been amazing this season, Luke. They've won all 11 games, first side in history to do that. They deserve it, don't they? Yeah, they do, and I think um, you know they dominated the game. Although PSG had the the better opportunities and, the, and most opportunities, um, they'll definitely be kicking themselves, PSG, because they should have been more clinical. But you talk about efficiency and you know clinical, and that was a, that was Bayern, and you know look, they thoroughly deserve it. The man who called the winning moment, Kingsley Coman, popped up uh, with the header, Simon Hill. What did you make of it all? And and could you have seen that coming? I suppose the fact that the guy that didn't start their last four games popped up with a winner. <laughs> Yeah, certainly didn't expect Kingsley Coman to start. I don't think many of us did, but uh, he had a terrific game, to be honest. And not, not just the goal he scored, but he probably should have scored a second. And really justified his inclusion by Hansi Flick because uh, his pace and trickery caused a lot of problems for Tilo Kera down that uh, right-hand side of the Paris defence. But I think really it, Manuel Neuer was probably their, their big hero. You know, he made three or four massive saves. But what I will say is that I think Bayern today were better organised than they were against Leon. Certainly the first 15 minutes, Leon tore them apart and, and really missed it. I know PSG missed opportunities as well today, but that high defensive line, I don't think, haunted them as much today. Um, it's just that when they when they did get through, it was, it was via a different avenue and, uh, and Manuel Neuer was equal to it. But yeah, I, th- I think Bayern were, were deserving winners just on the day. If you missed our Optusport coverage uh, this morning, Mark Schwarzer in the pregame show said that Manuel Neuer uh, would be the man. It was all about the battle between the goalkeepers on the pregame show. He copped a fair bit of stick because he always talks about the goalkeepers. However, he was correct. Let's bring him in so he can bask in the glory. If he wasn't already basking in the fact that a German side won the Champions League, the fact his predictions were correct mean, Mark, you can enjoy it. Go on, gloat. <laughs> too easy to quote, mate. It's too easy. Like, I can't believe you guys are doubting me, honestly. It's like, okay, yeah, high lines, battle of midfield, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But they all, listen, they all pretty much hit a brick wall in the final, didn't they? The one person that stood up 
and delivered was Manuel Neuer, of course. Schwartzy, Simon here. Is Neuer the best goalkeeper in the world, in your opinion? Yeah, I said it after the game then on, on the cross um, in the studio that I, that I, uh, I thought that uh, he's re-established himself as an, he's the best goalkeeper in the world. I think um, this season, particularly at Bayern, uh, in the Bundesliga, he's been exceptional. Um, he was he was well on the way of getting back to his best. And I think, particularly in this later stage of the Champions League, he, he, he's re, re, reinstated himself as a, as a number one. I think he's been exceptional. Um, and I think uh, time and time again, he's pulled uh, he's pulled off some miraculous saves tonight in a final of the Champions League. You know, the, the biggest the biggest uh, the biggest uh, uh, platform of club football. You know, and and the biggest stage. And, and he delivered. And he was exceptional. He just he looked unbeatable. You know, even when PSG were in an offside position by about five yards and should have scored easily, I mean, he pulled off a miraculous save. They just could not get the ball in the back of that. He was so he was so good today. It was a real back-to-the-future feel about their success too with Neuer because, of course, he was there seven years ago and Thomas Muller was as well. Bridgie, in the coverage, we were astounded at the fact that Thomas Muller is only 30. Two years ago under Nico Kovac, looked like he might have been on the way out at Bayern. Comes back in under Hansi Flick, is influential, has been great the last few games and he could keep on doing it. And I guess that's the theme. There are enough young stars mixed with the experience to think that Bayern can keep doing it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Muller was, has been magnificent since he's been given that reign again and the freedom to go and play. And I loved his interview this season when they were saying, how do you do it? And he says, I just keep the weight off. He said, I might be a bag of bones, but I just can run. And I'll tell you what, he's, he's earned his place. He's back there. That experience that, like you say, the youth coming through with that experience, it reminds me of the Man United treble winning team when they had their youngsters coming through from 92, mixed with the seniors in that team. And I've just upset Simon Hill. I know, mate, but that was a cracking team. And I see that with his buying team. So they're going to go from strength to strength. You can't escape United, Simon, can you? He had to bring that up, didn't he? Come on, Bridgie. <laughs> what? Now's not the time to be talking We're talking about, about teams that have won European Cups, so I had to bring them up. <laughs> Your time will come in 2050. <laughs> I, I thought there, Bridgie, you're talking about Muller and, you know, he's key to, to keeping fit was keeping that weight off, then maybe, maybe you should have a word with him. Mate, I'm retired. I'm enjoying. I'm content. This is, this is soy milk, lattes, content. It's, it's winter here as well, so it's uh, insulation. I call it my COVID cover. <laughs> Schwartz, the only two sides now, only two clubs have won more European Cup titles, and uh, that's obviously Real Madrid and AC Milan. It had been a little while. Was there pressure, do you think, for Bayern Munich to, to snap the drought a little bit? Because if so, they've done it in some style. Eight Bundesligas in a row, the Cup as well, they've won the treble, and looking forward, they do look unbeatable. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of pressure, um, but you know, again, you look back in October, and Bayern were a club in crisis. You know, Nika Kovic at, at the helm, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned there before, you know, about Thomas Muller being out probably two years ago. Now, when Thomas Muller was leaving, um, he, he admitted it uh, more recently, just before, as he, once he signed his new contract, that he was seriously considering leaving the club. Uh, for the first time in his whole his whole career, and the fact that Hansi Miller took over, um, he just completely changed the direction of the club. The team brought all the team together. I mean, Neuer re-signed. He looked like he may may have been out the door as well. Um, so yeah, listen, I, I think there was a slight pressure to deliver, particularly once uh, Hansi Flick took over and they got on. They went on this run and this dominance, and I think it just started to open up the the the, the, the sort of the. The um the Champions League for them was a, a, a I think they could see as as it developed there was an opportunity for him to possibly go on and, and and win this trophy 
And, you know, we talk about 2012-13 under your Pankers and won the treble. So it's not that long ago that Bayern did it and they've done it again and it's only the second time in that, in that club's history and it's right up there with one of the best the best teams that, uh, that Bayern's produced. Schwartz said they're already looking to the future, uh, Bayern. Uh, Ivan Perisic is only on loan at the moment. I imagine he's going to go back to his parent club or somewhere else. Um, where does Kingsley Coman fit in next season if they've got Leroy Sane, which they do, because clearly he's not going to play on the right. Serge Gnabry's had a, a tremendous season as well. So where do they fit all these superstars in? Well, I think the key is, you know, like we know with any team that's successful um, domestically and, and in Europe, you need a big squad. You need a, you need a good-sized squad. And, and particularly wide players, that carry, you know, they, they travel a lot of, uh, a lot of ground. Uh, they, you know, they, they, they're plays that more often than not, there's, you know, the odd niggle here and there. Um, Kingsley Coleman, I mean, I know we were talking about it earlier on that, you know, he's gone the last four games didn't start. Tonight was his first one. I was actually, I was actually surprised that he didn't start leading up to this knockout series because I actually think he's a, he's a tremendous player and I think he's a better player than Perisic. Uh, even though I think Perisic is a good player as well, I just think Kingsley Coleman adds something different. He's so much quicker. Um, he, he did what he did tonight, and that's something I've seen him do a lot in the Bundesliga. He has had his fair share of injuries. So he's been a little bit in and out. Uh, Perisic then has taken his opportunity, and particularly in this in this little mini mini tournament style, he's been very, very good for Bayern. So I understand why Hansi Fleck left him out. But obviously, to make the decision and bring him into the final, I was also a little bit surprised. However, I wasn't surprised by his performance because I've seen him do it before, and, and, and I'm a bit, I, I think you know he's a, he's a fantastic player, and he's definitely the future of Bayern, along with Serge Gnabry and Sane. They're going to all fit in. They're all going to get their time, their game time. It's ironic, perhaps, uh, Luke, that Kingsley Coman, the man that couldn't fit in at PSG because of all the money they spent and all the big stars are coming in, scored the winner against them in the end. Just a word on PSG. We talk a lot about how they spend a lot of money, particularly up top. They're sort of front-heavy. They've started to get a bit more balance, I suppose, but they'll have some upheaval, won't they? Because Thiago Silva will leave. You would expect there'll be more questions around who they sign, but maybe who they lose. Does Neymar go back to Barcelona? What can you see happening for them next? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. Obviously, Silva leaving is going to leave a void there. He's a, you know, he's a real leader. He's, he's been there a long time. Um, so that's, that's something they're going to have to look to fill in. And, you know... The likes of Neymar and Mbappe, they they went there to win the Champions League, and it, they just can't seem to be able to do it. Um, and you wonder, there's always rumours about them and some some other big clubs lurking around, and whether they feel that they need to move on somewhere else to to actually win it. I'm going to upset Simon again because the captain that left Manchester City in Vincent Company has never been, they haven't been able to replace him. True. I don't believe. I think that's the biggest problem PSG are going to have in going forward, replacing Silva, Thiago Silva, in that position, and also getting some players in that midfield that will support the front line and are actually, you've got match winners in the final third. And I say that with Di Maria, Icardi, you've got Mbappe, you've got Neymar, but the midfield three, I just think they're very, very similar. So that, that's a key area for me, them two positions down, that central defence and the central midfield. If only they had the money, Mark, to go and buy some new players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always their problem, isn't it? Um, yeah, listen... Uh, I think PSG, I mean, Bridget is right for a change. Um, you know, it's going to be tough for him to, to replace Thiago Silva um, for, purely for, for what he's accomplished at the club. But, uh, you know, someone like Koulibaly, was, I think, is potentially a good option. They're one of the few clubs, PSG, that could afford to, to bring him in, I would, I would think. Um, and you're right, like, going forward, they're, they're, they've got an abundance of talent. Um, and, and their big challenge is domestically, they, they seem to, to clear, you know, clean everything up. Um, they're, they're so dominating. It's, 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 you know, it's incredible. 
the, the big challenges at European football. And, and they they definitely have a more togetherness about them. They definitely seem to be more of a team. But I thought tonight they just showed glimpses of their old self a little bit, a little bit of individuality, particularly when it went down. Neymar started to be a little bit more individual again, tried to push things, and Bappe as well. They, they struggled a bit. Di Maria struggled on the, on, the, on the big stage now again. So, you know, that's something they need to try and hone in and try and improve upon to take them that one little step further to try and win the, the Champions League. Don't you go linking Koulibaly with PSG. <laughs> He's coming to Manchester, Schwartzy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what? Listen, Man City—they, you know, you sleep, you know, you snooze, you lose—and and wouldn't surprise me, you know, if, uh, if if Manchester City did miss out on him. I mean, you know, if PSG were legitimately in the race to sign someone like Koulibaly, then then it's going to be uh, a, a big a big challenge for, for Manchester City to to get him. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously hotly sought after. He has been for a number of seasons now. Um, but he also is getting to that age. I mean, he's what twenty eight, I think he is twenty nine. So, you know, he hasn't. I don't, from my understanding, he hasn't got that much. You know, longer. You know, to, to go at that very highest level. Um, so, someone's going to have to make a move for him very shortly. Uh, Tiago Silva's thirty five, so he might have a few years. <laughs> Bridgie, anybody really? Tiago Silva's been very strongly linked with Chelsea. W- would he be a good fit for Chelsea and for, and for the Premier League? I think any defender for Chelsea is a good fit because they're absolutely crap. Let's be honest with you. So anybody don't sit in. on the fence, Bridget. Yeah. I just think, but they have a policy, don't they, where they don't give players over thirty-two year deals. So not year. usually. Yeah. So would they go out and sign someone that's thirty-five? It is a it is a big question, isn't it? It's Thiago Silva. He's a pretty good player. Mm, not bad. Well, not good enough to stop buying, evidently. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Mark, we, uh, we best let you crack on. Uh, I mean, I feel like we've indulged in your enjoyment. We've lived vicariously through you whilst you've been in Lisbon over the past few weeks. So we won't give you the pleasure of telling us what you're doing post-game. But what's next for you? I imagine you've got a couple of weeks to just, you know, get the air back in the lungs and, you know, declimatise, if you like, from Lisbon and then straight back into the Premier League again. It's not long away. No, it's not long away at all. Um, I, I mean, listen, I'm not one to brag, of course not. I did say Noya was going to be, be outstanding tonight, but I won't brag. I won't bring it up again. Uh, listen, guys, I can sit on the WhatsApp group, you know, uh, when I go back to Spain, what, what my daily life's like, if you like. I mean, I'll keep you in the loop. There's no problem about that whatsoever. Um, but obviously, with the Premier League starting up around the corner, um, you know, it's all systems go very, very shortly as well. You know, there's other leagues starting up around the, around Europe. The Bundesliga is back up again soon as well. So, you know, there's plenty, plenty of things to, to keep one, to keep one busy with. Why don't, sure. instead of doing it on WhatsApp, why don't you do it on Twitter and Instagram? So the whole public can know that former soccer is captain and Premier League legend is actually a smug wanker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I mean, it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I think there's probably a large proportion of the of the followers probably already know that. That, yeah. that does probably, you know, is no surprise. 
um, I just don't want to get them any opportunity to grow even more and, and probably rub it in, rub in my face a bit more, that's all. You're getting unfollowed as we speak. <laughs> uh, my pleasure. That made, it finally worked. I've been trying to get that to happen for so long now. <laughs> Honestly, like a bad smell, just don't go away, do you? Quite literally, Mark, (laughs) quite literally. Yeah, exactly. You're not in the studio. You don't know quite how bad it is. But nevertheless, uh, Mark, we best let you get on and enjoy it. You've done a great job over the past few weeks. It's been really interesting to see the unique experience that you've brought us from behind the scenes in Lisbon. It hasn't been the same, obviously, as a normal tournament or competition we'd see, uh, but it's been really good to see your perspective. So take care, mate. Safe travels, and we'll catch up with you soon. Certainly will, guys. Enjoy. Cheers, Schwartzy. Yeah, mate. Top man. Just uh, a quick one, Luke, on Neymar and Mbappe. We saw post-game Neymar in particular so emotional. I mean, you know, without wanting to typecast people, that's a Brazilian emotion coming out a little bit, but he was in tears for a good 15, 20 minutes afterwards. But then you saw Mbappe, the other attacking weapon they've got, stone-faced. I know he's a little bit younger and maybe his time will come, but I found the contrast really interesting. I did too. Um, look, we, we know that from Neymar. He's, he's always very um, very emotional and, you know, sometimes people will look at it and say, well, is it for the cameras? Um, you know, and and then you look at someone like Mbappe and I, I think the head on his shoulders for such a young player is phenomenal. Um, he's really composed. He understands the game. He... Naturally, he's disappointed like everyone, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I really prefer to, to look at someone like Mbappe um, and the way he handled it. We said, look, in the studio, he looked more mature. Yep, he Neymar did. Neymar put yep. on, I know he's upset, uh, he's lost, but it was, you know, it's not about him. Bayern have just won it. Get on with it. That's, that's the thing I think sometimes he, he thinks it's a Neymar show. That's his mm. personality as well, though, isn't it? He's a very... As Rich has just said, he's a very emotional player. In the way he plays the game, he's he's very emotional. Whereas Mbappe, you know, he's he's 21, he's won the World Cup already. Um, and he knows that he's got another decade to win that tournament. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I know Neymar's, what is he, 25, 26? So, I mean, he's probably got the best part of 10 years as well. And, and he's won one. Yeah. You know, he, he, yeah. won't, he won't go back to his trophy cabinet after his career and seeing it bare. The interesting thing is how the fans of that club would see that. Would they prefer the Neymar that shows the emotion that they're probably feeling or do they prefer the stony-faced Mbappe? I understand why you as ex-pros and coaches or whatever would would look at him and go, I think that's a better approach. Well, I don't... But if you're a fan... Could have been the pressure as well, thinking, though. He's been there longer than Mbappe. He knows yeah. that there's pressure to deliver that trophy. That could have just been the emotion going, I've failed. But I think play. the way the supporters have taken to him probably plays into that a bit because he's not very well liked outside of the club. A lot of the supporters don't know how to feel about him. Whereas Mbappe could have got sent off tonight and he'll still be a legend in the fans' eyes. You know, that probably plays into it as well. So let's see what happens next with Neymar. The rumours of Ronaldo and Messi going there surely can't happen, particularly now that Barcelona have said that anyone wants Messi, yeah, they can just pay the $1 billion transfer a release clause if you want him. So that's unlikely. Uh, let's look ahead, though. Now that we've seen Bayern Munich have won their sixth, unless you support Leeds, you don't think the 1975 one counts. So let's say their fifth uh, champion league title the european cup triumph for bayern munich well done to them but let's look ahead shortly uh with dave weiner on the line it seems a little bit crazy the champions league's just finished bridgie but we're going to look ahead with dave because we'd love to know which sides are best place to do it next year dave hello good morning good morning gents great stuff enjoyed it ever this morning um well it's probably one time where it's not as crazy to start talking about next year because next year starts in three weeks 
So we are in a position to start to look ahead. And in that case, you've got to look at momentum, don't you? Why are Bayern not going to continue and pick up where they left off? Well, they, yeah. were the, they were the form team of 2020. If Liverpool were the form team of 2019, Bayern are the form team of 2020. And I think they're both in the best place to kick on. Almost the most intriguing part is who will have Thiago Alcantara in the middle of the park pulling the strings for them? Is that going to be the decisive factor on who of those starts the season with the edge of favourites? Um, otherwise, you know, maybe Real Madrid are just a peg below those two. And then it's more uncertainty that probably provides the talking points as the next season, gents. When you look at the likes of Juve under Perlo into Milan, will um, Antonio Conte still be there? Barcelona, what on earth is that going to look like? So make no mistake, come a couple of months' time when we're already back to the Champions League group stage, there will be no shortage of talking points. So do you guys fancy buy-in to, just to pick up where they left off? Well, that's the big question. This time last year, we were saying that, well, Liverpool could go and win a few now, couldn't they? Now, Bayern, you say they could win a few. But the real theme at the moment, if you look around Europe, Simon, is that Barca are in all sorts. Juve, who knows what you're going to get. City and PSG still have to hit that hurdle, don't they? They have to get beyond that block of whatever it is uh, that's seen them not being able to win it despite investment. And it's hard not to draw the conclusion that Bayern Munich and Liverpool are probably the best placed. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I think the great thing about European football at the moment, and I know that we, we sort of talked about this before, that people are saying, you know, Bayern Munich needed to save football from the new money. But the new money has actually made it interesting. Now, I know people look at me and go, yeah, well, you will say that because you're a City fan. But I agree. Thanks, Bridgie. Um, but it's true. I mean, once upon a time, you know, the European Cup was largely shared out between the old G14 clubs, the Man Uniteds, the Real Madrids, the Barcelonas, the Bayern Munichs, the Liverpools. Now there's, you know, some new guys in town, PSG, Chelsea have won it once already. Man City, all right, we've not quite got that yet. Also the likes of RB Leipzig. And you've still got, you know, clubs that come from nowhere here and there, like in Atalanta, who could quite easily have gone through to the semifinals. They were one minute away from going through to the semifinals before PSG got back into the game. That's the beauty of football, isn't it? That there are different clubs that emerge for different reasons. Um, so, yes, I don't disagree with you that I think Bayern uh, you know, could potentially build a dynasty under Hansi Flick. Uh, we've already said that they're strengthening their squad for next season. Leroy Sané, I'm sure there's more to come, uh, particularly if Thiago Alcantara goes to, to Liverpool, so they'll need to replace him. Uh, and City will spend, and PSG will spend, and all the big clubs will spend. So we just don't know, mm. which is great. Atletico Madrid is another one, yep. you know, that we haven't spoken about. Yeah. I guess the other question, and probably more to the point, more pertinent, Dave, is what sort of form does the Champions League take next season? Because, you know, there are some discussions that we might get 30 or 40% of fans in October in the Premier League. We'd love to get them back in Europe as well, but we don't know whether maybe what we've learnt the last couple of weeks with this mini-tournament in Lisbon and the one in Germany for the Europa League, maybe that's a model for the future. Mm. Any word on that stuff? Well, there's definitely more talk about it. I wouldn't be shocked to see, and just looking at the whispers around and, and the discussions around, is that the Europa League might be the first uh, guinea pig to try it on a, on a permanent basis. But I guess there's two parts of this. Is, is one in terms of what form does the Champions League take going forward? It really depends on the movement that is allowed through Europe going forward. I mean, we just don't know. We still don't know what the world's going to look like going forward, even though you know, it kind of feels like normal business has resumed. So, you know, if, if, if travelling and up and logistics of keeping people safe between borders um, 
to continue leagues, not threatening leagues. I mean, that's still got to be a major consideration. Um, that is probably understated at the moment, just given how well this has gone. The other aspect is, yeah, the two legs versus the cup final aspect. And did it deliver us the right finalists here? Yeah, it did. Would the two legs have made a difference? It's interesting to speculate. But I think there's been a, a lot of um, interesting chatter around how exciting the cup final situation made it. Now, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, though. Money talks and two legs is obviously more lucrative. But it wouldn't shock me if the Europa League goes down that path. It really wouldn't shock me at all because um, it turned that into quite a thrilling finale as well. I, I don't mind the two legs, I've got to be honest. I, I'd love to know whether you guys are like the traditional aspect of it as well, where you have that intrigue and, and that build-up as well. But certainly um, we've been blessed with a, a real festival of football over the last uh, two weeks or so to conclude the season. Yeah, we have, Dave. I, th- I think, though, um, and, and give me your thoughts, that you know the finances around the two legs... Um, you know, surely that that will outweigh uh, the single-legged tournament mode. Just I agree to, entirely, yeah. Dave, just to bring it sort of back to our own neck of the woods, I agree with Luke that I think the money will speak loudest. I don't think it will happen, although personally I'd like to see it. I think it's been terrific. And the fact that we haven't seen a lot of extra time being played in these games suggests that the teams are going for it because they have to. It's a one-off. I think that's better for the fans, all right, not inside the stadiums but watching at home. But if you look at what's going to happen with the Asian Champions League coming up in the next couple of months, they're also playing it at a hub uh, in Malaysia, one of the the rest of the groups, and then they'll carry on into the knockout phase. I think Asia is an area where they could experiment with this because, you know, the games don't have the great revenues that the big European ties do. I think this would be a much better guinea pig, and we're going to see that in the next couple of months. Um, I think Sydney FC are heading off to Malaysia. Uh, Victory in Perth will probably go to another hub. So I, I think it's something worth considering going forward, particularly for a competition that, you know, doesn't have a great deal of uh, exposure outside your own country's clubs' mm. games. I, well, th- I think it'd be good, a good thing to, to try. Yeah, and you'll see that as well with the FA Cup. No return legs or no return tyres. And also in the Carabao Cup in England, maybe that's the test bed. More and more people will look at it and go, yeah, we can make money out of it because at the end of the day, that's what it will come down to. Uh, Dave, uh, we best let you crack on. But before we do, we mentioned before, um, Thiago Silva, 35-year-old, as a Chelsea fan, uh, does he go there and do you want him there, yes or no? Yeah, yeah, that experience, the, the, the talisman from Central Defence. And I, I actually thought he did all right today. I actually thought he was, he, he threw his body around a fair bit. And um, I think a leader is exactly what Chelsea need yet. Lack of pace. That's a question. How would he go in the Premier League? But uh, if he can come for for not too, if he's not too expensive, um, then uh, yeah, I think he's exactly the right choice and um, I think he's and a, a leader free transfer, of men. Isn't he? Well, I yeah, I think I was thinking that as I was saying that he won't have much of a transfer fee, and I can't imagine that his age can command outrageous wages. So um, I think it's. I think he was available for nothing, and then it's an absolute no-brainer, actually. Well, it's a no-brainer that he'll sign for Chelsea for one year, and then he'll end up at Arsenal to finish his career off, because they get all <laughs> the other <laughs> Exactly right. Uh, Dave, good to have you on over the past couple of weeks. Um, good luck with everything as we count down to the Premier League season. It's not too far away. We'll catch up soon. See you soon sometime, I hope, gents. All the best. <laughs> Cheers, Dave. Yeah. Cheers, Dave. It's great that uh, Dave got a mention in there for Chelsea. I've got a Leeds mention in. Simon's got a couple of City ones in. Uh, do you want to talk Wollongong Wolves, Luke? Oh, mate, if you want to, I'm yeah, <laughs> far away. Another win, a 4-1, was it? Yeah, 4-1. 
So back to to win and win. Ah, it's too easy, isn't it? Coaching. Uh, look, it's um. It should enjoy- have been it, ten, shouldn't it? It should have been. It should have been. But um, you know, look, we're creating the chances. Uh, and just keep on winning. Would you ever think about it. getting M Bridges down there for a bit of finishing practice with the boys? Why would I want to do that? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> he actually did early on last season and that didn't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the boot. Uh, do you want to mention Spurs before we wrap it up, Bridges? Are you happy to move on? No, no, I want to talk about Leeds again. I'm just looking forward to the first game of this season. Leeds, champions of the championship, playing the champions of the Premier League in Liverpool. and the It's what the charity shield should be. You know the, the what I'm really looking forward to here? James Milner, 16 years ago, got relegated with that team. He's now at Liverpool playing against his boyhood team. It's going to be going to be a great occasion for him. Yep, indeed. It is the first game of the season, which is only a couple of weeks away. Great segue, Bridgie, as we look ahead to what should be a cracking Premier League season. Once again, we won't have fans at the start, but we're hopeful. We're desperate to get everybody back in soon, and we know that you guys out there will be watching with us live on Optus Sport. Simon Hill, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you call the last couple of weeks. Thanks the Champions League me, has gone to a new level with your voice on it, yourself and Scotty McDonald. So thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Rich. It's been uh, great fun. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, do it all again soon. Absolutely. Luke Wilkshire, all the best with the Wolves. We'll catch up soon. Cheers, mate. Been a pleasure. Indeed. And Michael Bridges, you always get the last word. Um, Safe travels. Thank you very much. I'd just like to say thank you for the opportunity. We've absolutely loved it. Great to work for Optus Sport and everybody out there. Stay safe. Uh, some people in Melbourne going through tough times. We'll get through it and the Premier League will be back soon. So we'll be covering it all. Yep, that's a great positive sentiment to finish on. If you are at home staying safe with your family and friends, make sure you're tuning in to all your football needs. It never ends on Optus Sport, thankfully. We only have a couple of weeks to wait for the Premier League, but before there, that we've got the K-League, the J-League and the FAWSL as well. Between now and then, of course, enjoy your football. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.